Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so let's not waste any more time, shall we? Anything and everything that you want to find for the ODPH, whether it's social media accounts, whether it's the Patreon link, which Patreon's got something in the mail this week, the T Public Store, the Parlay Points blog section, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 115,000. Sounds about right to me. I'm not questioning that. The Classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcasts, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in and via Podchaser, anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find at odphpodcast.com and we encourage you to do that and we encourage you to use on the social media accounts the hashtag odphpod because we find it we interact that's how we talk that's how we build up the odph society because we have a lot to talk about so let us do it how we always do it during nfl football season on the odph it's locks and leaps recap time pad kick us off i'm going to start with uh, my locks and one of the locks i had chose was the kansas city chiefs beat the jacksonville jaguars because reasons well no <laughs> well because duh yeah uh you and the kansas city chiefs emerged victorious uh 27 to 17 uh patrick mahomes 26 of 35 for 331 yards passing four touchdowns one interception trevor lawrence 29 of 40 for 259 yards passing two touchdowns no interceptions uh isaiah pacheco uh was the leading rusher for kansas city 16 for 82 no touchdowns travis attain jr uh, led for jacksonville 11 for 45 no touchdowns Receiving Christian Kirk, your leading receiver for Jacksonville. $90 million man. Nine catches for 105 yards, two touchdowns. Earned that paycheck, okay. Travis Kelsey, to no surprise, led for Kansas City. Uh, six catches, 81 yards, uh, one touchdown. I say reasons because this was probably the biggest no-brainer of the week. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kansas City is rolling right now. Patrick Mahomes is in midseason form like only he does. Love him or hate him, the Chiefs are just rolling on that offensive oh, yeah. side of the ball. Their defense showed up, though, this game and definitely was giving Trevor Lawrence some problems. Albeit, though, this game was very within reach. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was a blowout until we got to the fourth quarter. You know, like almost like the fourth quarter. Jacksonville was, you know, put up seven there, but still. Yeah. It was in within reach. And still, they're finding their way being a young team. Like, we often forget that with this obviously carousel of its organization new head coaches, new quarterback coaches, whatever the case is. Yeah. It's always a, a changing leadership system sure on the on the field that is sure so for trevor lawrence i mean he's finally settled in he looks like the number one draft pick we thought he was going to be mm -hmm. albeit though he's still lagging to where he probably should be but that's yeah. no fault to his own yeah in my opinion yeah but the fact that he actually could put up almost 300 against kansas city I, I call it a win there no yeah absolutely and the running game not really doing too much i but mean people speak praises of travis attain jr i just don't see it see here's the thing he was great in college. Sure. But then again, how many times have we said somebody was great in college and then you get to the pros and then for whatever reason, it just doesn't click? Well, more often than not. Yeah. 
and that's the whole thing too. I mean, I know he's coming off a foot injury and sure. and obviously being a running back, that is going to be something you're going to worry about. And I'm not saying that it's showing in his game, but I think the problem that he has is where you are great in college, you also have a great offensive line in college. Yeah, Clemson had a pretty damn good line. Yeah. So you don't have that per se in the NFL with Jacksonville. No. And I know a lot of times people come in and they think oh, it's they're going to re- recapture the magic. It just doesn't happen that way. Even though Lawrence and Natane have played with each other so many times, like it's second nature to them. Right. And they do show signs of that synergy, but still growing for the NFL speed. That's why we always say you never see a rookie really develop in the NFL till the third year because right. they finally get the speed of the game. Right. And unless you see it live – you don't understand it. It's one thing watching on TV, but if you actually go to an NFL game and see how fast mm-hmm. everybody's moving, mm-hmm. you understand it a lot more. Not everybody is going to be like Patrick Mahomes, who came in and just lit the league on fire, but those players just don't happen all the time. Well, and you got to remember, too, Patrick Mahomes didn't do that his rookie year. Right. He, he did that like two, three years in. Yeah, and that's the whole point, too. Kansas City was smart. They sat him behind Alex Smith. Yeah. And look at the dividends. Unfortunately, Jacksonville never took the time with Trevor Lawrence. Well, and they, they couldn't. Well, they couldn't, but you know what? They, it's one of those situations, too, with an organization. You almost have to really think about your franchise moving forward. This is going to be your guy. This was supposed to be your Peyton Manning. This was yeah. supposed to be your Andrew Luck. Yeah. This was supposed to be the savior of the franchise. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. And I think the case with Lawrence is I think he will be a good NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to be that great, but I think now – He's starting to show some progress, even in defeat. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Kansas City did Kansas City things. I'm not oh, going to yeah. dwell too much on them. But they're doing what they do, especially at home. Oh, yeah. A lot of things went in their favor, and it usually does. They're tough at home. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like it's nothing to really cry about for Trevor Lawrence. You know, 259-2 and two is for against Kansas City is great. You mm-hmm. know, and the fact that it was only a 10-point loss to Kansas City Great. He's making progress. I think he's got a lot of upside, you know, to be a good quarterback. Will he be a great quarterback or an amazing quarterback? You never know. I mean, he's certainly got some pieces around him. You know, it's just putting the those pieces together ultimately and seeing the larger puzzle. Uh, looking at the schedules for the both of these teams coming up, uh, for Kansas City, they have got the – there they are – the uh, Los Angeles Chargers this upcoming week on uh, Sunday Night Football. After that, they've got the Los Angeles Rams after that, and then the Cincinnati Bengals and the Denver Broncos. Mm. And then for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, they're actually off this upcoming week. They come uh, back from the bye week playing the Baltimore Ravens, Detroit Lions, and then the Tennessee Titans. Uh, slightly tough stretch for yeah. them. But, I mean, I think the eyes are going to be focused on Kansas City, obviously being the number one seed right now in the AFC. Yeah. Can they maintain this? I mean, that's going to be the question now for them moving forward. Yeah. They're looking like the perennial playoff contender that mm-hmm. we've seen over the past few years. So they're playing at such a high level. It's just you got to watch out for injuries, and can you really get your running game doing more consistency? Then that's going to be the question right. for them moving forward. I think they will be fine, obviously, getting in the playoffs. I don't think it's going to yeah. be an issue for them. But where, how far they go is really going to be anybody's guess because more teams are catching up to them. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to see a little more parity there because, obviously, being 7-2 and two is nothing to sneeze about. No. But there's a lot of teams hovering around that 6-3 and three mark, too, that you got to keep an eye out for. So that said, Pat, who'd you have next? Uh, we'll go to one of my leaps, and that was the Arizona Cardinals to beat the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, no Kyler Murray. 
uh, in this game. No uh, Matthew Stafford in this game. So you had no clue how this was going to fucking go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had Arizona emerge victorious by the final score of 27 to 17. Colt McCoy. Yes, folks. Colt McCoy is still in the NFL. Uh, 26 of 37 for 238 yards passing. One touchdown. No interceptions. John Wolford. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 24 of 36 for 212 yards passing. One touchdown. One interception. James Conner, your leading rusher for Arizona. 21 for uh, 69 and two touchdowns. Cam Akers uh, was your leading rusher for Los Angeles, although only by a yard. Six for 22. No touchdowns. Ugh. Uh, there's a reason I dropped his ass in fantasy, oh. and that's it. Uh, leading receiver for Arizona was DeAndre Hopkins, 10 for 98, no touchdowns. And then for Los Angeles, your leading receiver was Tyler Higby, 8 for 73 and no touchdowns. Well, that makes sense for Higby because he's their tight end, and obviously yeah. a quarterback's best friend is the tight end. Well, and especially with, uh, what is it, uh, Cooper Cup going down with his injury. Yeah, I heard IR, so I think. Pulling it up right now. Yeah, he's unfortunately going to be. Cooper Cup, yeah, he's uh, uh, looking at ESPN.com on the Rams injury report uh, listed for today as we record. Uh, it says, Cooper Cup, in status, injured reserve. Rams head coach Sean McVay said Tuesday that Cup will require surgery to address his right high ankle sprain and will be placed on injured reserve, this according to Adam Schefter. Well, I think at this stage, the Rams are 3-6. and six. Why risk it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think Stafford, too, the same thing. We've been screaming on this podcast for a couple weeks now. Sit him. Uh, they're currently last place in the NFC West, and then in terms of the playoff standings, they are in. Where the hell are they? There they are. Uh, they're in 13th place. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, at this point, rest and reset yeah. for next year. Yeah, because clearly he's got something issue where, you know, he had the baseball arm injury, and then he had the football or golf arm injury, which were on opposite sides of the elbow, and doctors looked at him and went, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Just sit him. Regroup for next year. Like, there's no there's no shame in this. You got your ring. You got your ring. Super Bowl hangover. Nobody was really expecting you to go back to back per no. se. The only thing you might be in trouble with, and, and stress, I, I'm stressing the word might. Aaron Donald, whatever yeah. he wants to do, if he wants to come back, then because obviously he yeah. got his ring. So yeah, this is a transition period, so to speak. But I would say if I'm the Rams, get everybody healthy. Yeah, make a run next year. Yeah, and then call a day. Talk yeah. Aaron Donald if he's thinking about retiring. See if he wants to come back one more season. Like, listen, everybody's back healthy. Let's give it one more shot. Win, lose, draw, and right off in the sunset. Because you're not going to do it this year. And mm-hmm. looking at your schedule moving forward, it's not going to be pretty. On the flip side, Arizona, I was shocked to see Colt McCoy putting up this many points. Hey, he was decent in college, and he's always been okay in, in the NFL. Okay is the key word. He's been okay, but this was a situation I did not see happening. And well, the, the thing too with, with the uh, LA Rams is they are not the team from last year that was so dominant on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. No, that's very true. I mean, they're just a shell of their former selves, and it is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, I think that comes down to some of the pieces around him that helped out. I mean, obviously you've got James Conner, who's who's decent. He's hit or miss, but he's 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 um, very hit or miss. He's he's decent, and then I mean, your receiving core. We mentioned DeAndre Hopkins, but you also had Rondell Moore, nine for ninety-four, no touchdowns. You know, Conner had three for seventeen in receiving. Zach Ertz, you know, one for twelve, which is you know he's he usually does better though. Yeah, but he's out now with a. Uh, leg injury, I yeah, believe. yeah, and then you got AJ Green there as well, two for ten, which yeah, you know, it's it's two first downs, or two two second and fives, you know. So you got enough pe- decent pieces around him, and they also kept him upright. He only got sacked the two times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those kind of wild situations there, but I think at the end of the day, Arizona is not going to be a team there. I think they're going to make a change at coach next year. 
Maybe. I mean, they're currently uh, in the NFC West. They're in third place. Uh, and then uh, in terms of the playoff standings, they are in 11th place. So yeah, I mean, they, probably not. They could sneak in if they get a little luck on their side. I just don't think it's going to happen. And I'm not wishing them bad. I don't hate Arizona. Right. I mean, there is a three-way tie. So between... Uh, so ahead of them is Atlanta at four and six, who wins the tiebreak over them based on best win percentage in conference games. But then you've also got Green Bay with the same record in ninth place. So the only thing keeping them, you know, from eighth place in the NFC uh, playoff picture is one win and a loss from uh, Washington. Yeah, which how weird is that statement to say? Mm-hmm. How weird. But I think for Arizona, the fact they got this win, I think, is a good sign. I... Don't know exactly what this means moving forward. I think, though, Kingsbury is going to be out next year. I, probably. That's, that's the only thing I would say is probably the most certain call I can make right now. Probably. I just think there's such a disconnect with him and the offense for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, this team should be dropping at least 27 every game. Well, and, when, and, when Kyler's there, yes. When Kyler's there. Yes. Like, you have way more talent on that field, and yet you guys can't put it together for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, that said... I think, though, they can relish this one and see how far they can make a run with it. I just don't think they're going to do it. I just yeah. I think they're going to come up short. They'll be the team that winds up in 10th. Could be. Just for reasons. Could be. Uh, looking at the schedules for the Arizona Cardinals, they've got San Francisco coming up uh, the, on the, this coming Monday night. Uh, after that, they've got the L.A. Chargers a bye week in Week 13, and then they come back in Week 14 against the New England Patriots again on Monday Night Football. Uh, and then for the L.A. Rams, they have got where are they? There, uh, the New Orleans Saints this upcoming Sunday uh, on the road. They've got Kansas City on the road, uh, and then they've got Seattle at home, and then the uh, Las Vegas Raiders at home. That one on Thursday. Yeah, so it'll be some interesting football for that NFC West, but I don't think either of these two teams are going to make any noise. No. I just really don't. That said, let's go to my locks and leaps. And I had a feeling, I don't know why, because I, I I make a point, yeah. a little peek behind the curtain. Uh-huh. If the L.A. Chargers are involved with a game, uh-huh. I stay away because, yeah. Yeah. I, well, one, I don't cheer for them to win or pick them to win or pick them to lose. They just, they're so inconsistent. And I don't care who's on their field with them. I, I, don't, I don't. But I took a gamble because... Something sparked me to say the 49ers sure. were going to show up. It was prime time. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey has put some new energy in that offense. I had a feeling, and I was right. Mm-hmm. Pad, break it down. San Francisco beat the L.A. Chargers by the final score of 22-16. to 16. Jimmy G, 19-28 uh, for 249 yards passing. 240 yards passing, excuse me. Uh, no touchdowns or interceptions. Justin Herbert, 21 of 35 for 196 yards passing, one touchdown and one interception. Uh, Austin Eckler, your leading rusher for the Chargers, 6 for 24, no touchdowns. Uh, on the San Francisco side, Elijah Mitchell, 18 for 89, no touchdowns. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did have 14 for 38 and 1. Uh, and then for receiving San Francisco, Brandon Ayuk was your leading receiver, 6 for 84, no touchdowns. And then on the uh, Los Angeles side, DeAndre Carter was your leading receiver, 4 for 64 and 1 touchdown. I tell you this, the 49ers are for real. They're looking good. They're looking good. They're not winning games flashy. I don't want to say they took the mantle of the most boring team in football from Indianapolis, but I'm going to say they're winning very steady. Mm-hmm. There's nothing super flashy about them, even though George Kittle – 
the fact that he, he's not really exploded lately and putting up a, a, a big money game. Fucking tell me about it. Fantasy team here. Yeah, he's, he, that's that's the biggest thing I, that has drawn my eye here because Brandon Ayuk is blown up, mm-hmm. and he's definitely making some plays. But you you think about the 49ers staples. Sure. George Kittle, yeah, one for 21. Debo Samuel, two for 24. Granted, 27 yards rushing, but still. Elijah Mitchell has now emerged, 18 carries, 89 yeah. yards. That's huge, especially if you have a one-two punch with him and Christian McCaffrey because, let's face it, McCaffrey's injury history is something that I think the Niners would have to worry it's about. cause for concern. It is, it's, and then it's not a slight against him. It's just fact. But if you can keep them on the field and Jimmy Garoppolo is managing games better than anybody, mm-hmm. that's a true sign to win. Now, like I say, you're not going to get the big moments on ESPN or other sports shows where you see all the crazy highlights. Yeah. I think the only one from this game, to be honest with you, was that crazy hit Justin Herbert took. Yeah. Yeah, that was oof. Which, I mean, is very brutal. And, you know, like I I was kind of surprised there wasn't an ejection. Like it just like I'm not saying it was a dirty play, but I just think like for where it was, it was right. it was high. Yeah. In my opinion. So yeah. he got they you know, they got away with one a little bit there. Like I said, to my knowledge, nobody got ejected from it, but I was like Herbert didn't look right after. No. And obviously putting up zero points in the second half. That's not going to help you win. No, it's not going to help you win at all. And and like I say, it's a situation for the Chargers that, well, congratulations, you're doing what you usually do. Uh-huh. You're inconsistent. The, High the, expectations, the low results. I have no faith in this team whatsoever. I don't care if they're favored by double digits. I have no faith in them to cover. I don't have any faith in them to win. I think they just show up, and then it's like whatever team is going to play for four quarters is what we get. Yeah. Because, honestly, there's nothing you can say is a guarantee with a squad. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy G's playing good. It, it's kind of crazy, though, just because he's not doing anything flashy. I mean, his career uh, – career, his season high in passing yards was against the Kansas City Chiefs a couple weeks ago where he threw for 303 yards. Uh, but his season high for touchdowns is two, and he's done that one, two, three, four times. Yeah, you know, and he's got so he's got eleven touchdowns on the year, four interceptions. You know, in this game, if you told me like the week prior that hey, there's going to be a quarterback on Sunday that throws for two hundred and forty yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions, what do you think happens? Nine times out of ten, I'm pro- I'm going to tell you they probably lost. Sure, just because you look at it like, okay, yeah, you threw for 240, but you didn't fucking throw any touchdowns. Like, how did you? How can you expect to win? Yeah, but the fact that he did that for no touchdowns, no interceptions, speaks to just how good the rest of that team is on the running and especially on defense. And and George Kittle, I don't know what. Maybe it's the curse of me finally getting him in fantasy <laughs> football because this seemingly happens every time I get some guy I've wanted for years. I know it happened a couple years ago with with Calvin Johnson, and then he had a shit yeah. year. I had it happen with Adrian Peterson, and then he, he had a couple good games, but he had a shit year. But I'm just looking at George Kittle's stats: 29 receptions, tied for 71st in the NFL, 340 yards, tied for 69th in the NFL, which nice. Yes. Uh, and then he only has two touchdowns on the year, which is tied for 48th in the NFL. Those are very subpar numbers for him. It's very subpar, but it's something with the Niners team that you just gotta kind of expect. Like it's it's weird to say because when you think of superstars, they put up big numbers, they have takeover games. When the Niners are getting away from this, mm-hmm. it's a weird thing to watch. But they're playing so fundamentally sound on both sides of the ball, too. Like I said, their defense is nasty. Oh, yeah. But is there anybody other than Bosa that's a household name? Uh, I'd have to look at it, but um, off the top of my head, no. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that you have to think about with this team. Like, they're winning very deceptively and very quietly. Yeah. And I think, though, this plays in their factors because nobody's really talking about them. 
But if they get in the playoffs, they're going to cause some problems. Oh, yeah. They really will. And everybody forgets if Jimmy G did not get sacked in that or NFC Championship game, it would have been a whole different story last year. That's how good yeah, this team that's is. that's true. And nobody's talking about them. So, like I say, they could sneak in there. They could make a run late. Could they? They just need a lot of luck on their side. But I know you got their schedule ready to talk. I do. So this upcoming Monday, they're playing the Arizona Cardinals on ESPN. should note the game's in Mexico City. Mm. Uh, after that, they've got the New Orleans Saints, the Miami Dolphins, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for the L.A. Chargers, they have got the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming Sunday on Sunday Night Football. After that, they've got the Arizona Cardinals, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Miami Dolphins. Well, like I say, the Chargers are a coin flip each week. Yeah, they are. So there's nothing really super crazy there. The 49ers, though, if they can sneak out three of four there, uh-huh. I really like their chances of getting a high seed. I really do. Let's see. Currently in the NFC West, they're in second place uh, behind the uh, Seattle Seahawks, who are 6-4. And and then in the playoff standings, they are in seventh place. Like I said, just a couple things that luck happens. Sure. They could definitely shoot up there. Like, they're that good. They could definitely make that happen. It's kind of crazy to think about when you you really break it down. Yeah. It's not as crazy, though, as those New York football giants. Yeah. Which, Pad, how, how... what is going on here? The Giants are making seven, a run seven and two for the number one seed. They are looking at these standings. Where the hell is it? They're like one game out of first place. Yeah, in the NFC or NFC East. Well, I mean, obviously, with what happened with Philly, it's yeah. it's it's caused a very big ripple effect. Yeah, but my God, those New York Football Giants. Yeah. Are showing up. Maybe it's Coach Duffy staying away from the studio. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's some karmatic thing happening. We gotta drag his ass back in here. I know we're gonna bring him back in here because like if Brian Dabble raises a trophy over Sean McDermott this year, I don't know what's gonna happen. I think the earth might explode. No, I'm just kidding about that, folks. But my God, those New York Football Giants. Let's talk about it. Big win on Sunday. Yeah, they won by the final score of 26-4. To, excuse me, 24 to 16 over the Houston Texans. Danny Dimes, uh, 13 to 17 for 197 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Davis Mills, 22 to 37 for 319 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Saquon Barkley, your leading rusher for the Giants, uh, 35 for 152 and Jeez, one touchdown. Have a game. Uh huh. Uh, Damian Pierce led for Houston, 17 for 94, no touchdowns. Jordan Aikens was your leading receiver for Houston, 3 for 72, no touchdowns. Darius Slayton was your leading receiver for the Giants, 3 for 95 and one touchdown. You know, it still boggles my mind that the Cinderella team of all teams this season is the New York football Giants. So far. I mean, you gotta be, you got to give the Devils their due. Like, yeah. I, I know I rip on Brian Devil a lot. I It is what it is, but... He made this team into something, and they're playing well above their physical abilities, in my opinion. And a team against Houston, like, granted, they should have won because they are a better team. And Houston fucking sucks. Yeah, Houston's awful. Like they're one seven and one. Yeah, there's nothing really to talk about them. They're gonna have fun to having the number one draft pick next season. Like it is what it is. So I don't want to dwell too much, and obviously just keep piling on them because there's just you can pile that garbage pile all the way to the ceiling. It's still gonna stink. It's still gonna be there, and it's. It's not going away. Yeah. Let's talk about the Giants, though, winning this mm-hmm. and Saquon Barkley finally having that game. Looks like he's finally healthy. Yeah, he's finally healthy. They Goddamn. F- they figured out how to do this with a lackluster offensive line. <laughs> 
Yeah. And yeah. he's looking he's looking great. Danny Dimes is well, he's looking like Danny Dimes. He's looking okay. He's okay. Like 197 and 2. That, that's all right. Yeah, and I know the comparison still even how bad Josh Allen is playing. Like listen, Danny Dimes is still not Josh Allen, so nope. temper nope. those expectations. But they're winning with a very lackluster offense uh, core in that wide yeah. receiver division. There's really nothing that scares you about this team, but they're finding ways to win. Mm-hmm. And if you're a team like this, you play with house money. When you play with house money, you have nothing to lose and nothing to fear. It is something yeah. that is just mind-blowing to me that Dabble came in here and put this energy on this team. And it's like, listen, kudos to him. Like I say, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not his biggest fan, but nothing personal. I just don't like how he calls the games. Sure. But he's made this team into a real contender. He's made this team into something special. And especially in that NFC East, which what, what happened to Philly, and you know we're going to talk about that next, this has really opened up some eyes that they could sneak in there. And could you imagine if the Giants somehow pull off that number one seed? Well, what's even more wild is, with the exception of the Washington Commanders, the entire bum, 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 bum. the entire NFC East is in the playoffs right now. Yeah. With with the exception of the Washington Commanders, because they're on the outside looking in right now, but they're like, you know, in terms of like co- using the college basketball term, they're the first, one of the first four out. Yeah. And it's crazy to think about, too, as well. Like, I know that Philly has to go to play the Giants again. I know that yeah. there's a lot more division games coming up. So that's going to be the true test to the Giants. But we said a couple weeks ago, and I think this remains true. Yeah. If they could win all those games until they get to Thanksgiving, they're going to be in prime position for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They just need to sneak out some division games. Can they do it against Philly? Maybe. Maybe. I still think Philly takes them, but I think you have to say maybe because they're doing this with literally Saquon taking the the team on his back. Right. If Saquon goes down by injury, and not wishing him by any means, but if he goes down with injury, this team's done. Right. Well, and I'm looking at their schedule. They play Philly for the first time this year, coming up on December 11th, currently scheduled for a 1 o'clock start time on Fox. I'm going to willing to bet money that's going to get flexed. That could get flexed. That's, depending on how the teams are looking, you know, if, if first place in the division's on the line that late in the season, that's going to get flexed into Sunday night. Yeah, that should. I mean, that's the one crazy – story of the season i think win lose or draw giants fans have a lot to be excited about i think next season though will be the the thing oh, to yeah. watch with them yeah because i think dabble and the gm are going to have time to really build something there and i think that they'll get into that draft and they'll make some moves and they're going to really upgrade this team and i think if you're a free agent you're going to be looking at this team and saying maybe this is somewhere i want to go play because they're playing with really no fear and they're doing this ugly games are not fun to watch but if they get a playmaker here and there especially in that wide receiver core mm-hmm. like if they got someone like a deandre hopkins sure if they got somebody like sure even if odell went back which would be wild it'd be wild but listen crazier things that happen in this world you think about if they can get a number one receiver that hasn't been getting the attention this so to speak and I granted I understand Hopkins has been suspended but I'm just kind of putting this out there if they can get a real threat in there to burn the sidelines mm-hmm. and then you have still a Barkley with you that's a that's a solid one-two punch yeah you can make some moves you can definitely win in that game yeah oh win yeah in, win oh, in that yeah. division so Giants fans a lot to look forward to so you definitely want to keep an eye out for that yeah and then Houston well 
Thanks for showing up. Yeah. Uh, looking at the schedules, the Giants have the Detroit Lions coming up this Sunday. After that, they've got the Dallas Cowboys, Washington Commanders, uh, and then the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, on the flip side, just to be fair, uh, the Houston Texans this upcoming Sunday have the Washington Commanders, followed by the Miami Dolphins, Cleveland Browns, and then the Dallas Cowboys. Interesting times for the Giants yet ahead, but I tell you what, if they can sneak those wins, they're going to sneak those wins. Mm-hmm. Pat, you ready to take a lap around the league? Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, so on the Thursday game, you had the Carolina Panthers beat the Atlanta Falcons 25-15. to Well, we know who Atlanta is. Yeah. They took the L. Yes, they did. Carolina finding a finding some way to win here. Yeah. I You know, nothing really to say about here. Obviously, their season's toast, but Atlanta, that's a bad loss for them for being as solid as they played the past couple weeks yeah that's a bad loss uh you had the tampa bay buccaneers beat the seattle seahawks 21 to 16 over in munich germany hell hell of a game hell of a crowd yeah definitely an interesting game over there i you know i thought seattle might sneak it out but tampa bay winning tom brady 4-0 in international games yeah that's what i was gonna say he is internationally undefeated mr worldwide yes mr whatever the area code of tampa bay is yeah He's definitely made sure he got that W, but I tell you what, Seattle looked good in that loss too. Yeah, and but Tampa Bay, I mean, five and five, that's still enough to make some noise in that. Hey, it's good enough for first place in that division. Yeah, exactly. So it's God. I mean, what what else can you really say about that division? That division is awful. Yeah, but Seattle still hangs on to first place. I mean, that's the that's the headline I'm going to run with. Yeah, Uh, you had the uh, Detroit Lions beat the Chicago Bears thirty-one to thirty, despite a Herculean effort from Justin Fields again. One hundred and sixty-seven yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception, and then one hundred and forty-seven yards on the ground with two rushing touchdowns. Give Justin Fields some help, Chicago. God damn! Like, listen, I applaud him. I love watching him play. You know why? He's the only one on that team making some moves, and he's trying to win this by himself. Hey, at least the guy in our fantasy league was smart enough and started him this week. Yeah, exactly. 40 points. Congratulations. But my God, like, if he actually had some help, some, like, if he had the Giants wide receiver core, he'd be, they'd be looking amazing this year. Yeah. That, that's all I need to say about this. Detroit, though. This is this was a game for the fantasy football players. Pretty much. That was it. I mean, that's the only thing we can say. Detroit has found a way. Okay, they actually didn't blow a game here. They actually <laughs> found a way to really go crazy in the fourth quarter, which yeah. hey, kudos to them. Yeah. They have all the talent in the world. They just can't put it together. Unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of moving and shake in their front office this season. Off season, that yeah, is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Titans country. Let's ride. They beat the Denver Broncos 17-10. to 10. Well, this is probably what should have happened, to be honest with you. Tannehill, though, yeah. uh, you know, he came back, two touchdowns, Derrick Henry doing Derrick Henry things, even though 53 yards, though. Yeah, not, only 50, 53. Not super crazy, but when, Tana, when Tannehill is out-dueling Russell Wilson, we now have a problem. I'll say, Houston, we have a problem. We now have a problem. Like yeah, Panic button is pressed. Oh, my God. Like, not no matter how many times I can even say let's ride, we'll not make this up. Like I'm sorry, when you were getting out dueled, and granted, I, I understand Wilson threw for 30 more yards. You still took the L. Well, and especially I read a, a story or read a thing online about how supposedly, allegedly, 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 the uh, offensive coordinator in Denver told Wilson when he was coming over to Denver, "Oh, you won't get hit as much over here." Uh, motherfucker got sacked six times. How can you make that guarantee? How can you make that guarantee? Like, you can't. Denver's offensive line, you did no upgrading in that offseason. You're not going to get hit as much over here. Yeah, dude's been sacked 29 times this year. 
forget about it. Jeez. I read that and I went, are you serious? Yeah. And if that was the deciding factor, Russell chose wrong, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Big time. Uh, you had the Miami Dolphins beat the Cleveland Browns by a final score of 39-17. to 17. See, this is my other leap. Yeah. I took the Browns. Yeah. I had some faith. I was like, you know what? They got Nick Chubb running great. But I heard this comment, and Pat, I want your honest opinion. Sure. Is Tua now in the MVP race? Uh, let, me, let me pull up his stats. Uh, 2,265 yards passing, good for 11th in the NFL. Uh, 18 touchdowns, tied for third in the NFL. Three interceptions, which is tied for fourth in the NFL. And he's got a QBR of 82.6, which is tied, which is good for first in the NFL. I don't know if he wins it, but I would say just based he's off... In the con- is he in the conversation? Yeah, I'd say he's in the conversation. <sighs> I got to say this. I, th- I think he's in that conversation, too. I'm not saying he's going to win. I don't think he wins. But I will say this. As much as I don't like Miami, I'm happy to see him after the treatment he got <laughs> uh, with his concussions in the previous yeah. weeks. Yeah. I'm happy to see him bounce back. I'm happy to see him playing at a high level. I'm like I'm genuinely happy for him. Yeah. I'm not happy Miami's winning, but I'm happy for him. Right. So, you know, I think when I was hearing those MVP chants, I was like, you know what? I can't dispute that conversation. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at the last four games he's played against Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. Uh, he, we mentioned he, uh, for this game he had 285 and three, no no interceptions. Against Chicago it was 302 and three, no interceptions. Detroit it was 382 and three, no interceptions. And then Pittsburgh was 261 and one, no interceptions. The only thing though is you look at the record of those four teams, and they're yeah. not they're not yeah. I don't want to say it's the the Denver stat line from a couple of years ago. You remember when they started yeah, out three yeah, and zero, yeah, and yeah. you know it's kind of like that. Their, kind team, of, their, their opponents were combined zero and nine. Yeah, so I will say this though: I think two has looked great. I think Miami has been very smart with him. I just want to see when they start playing some real competition again. Yeah, and I think that that'll be a real telling sign. But I think you definitely have to put him in that conversation. I really do. Cleveland, though, on the other hand, I mean, uh, I don't even know where you go with this season, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I, I know Deshaun Watson is lurking a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, and then he'll be back, and then you're going to see if you really made a smart investment or not. Mm-hmm. Just going to put it out there. Well, their upcoming game is the Sunday is going to be interesting. I'll get to that in a minute, though. Uh, you had the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the New Orleans Saints 20-10. Uh, to 20 to 10. <laughs> Like, I, I don't even know where you go with this one. Both teams suck. Yeah. Like, Pittsburgh, I mean, granted, at home, yeah. diff- different story, but yeah. Yeah. there is really nothing great to talk about this. Nope. Nothing great. So I'm just going to say we're going to skip it yeah. and go to the next one. Uh, you had the Indianapolis Colts in Jeff's uh, co head coach Jeff Saturday's coaching debut beat the Las Vegas Raiders 25 to 20. Fire Josh McDaniels. Send him back to New England. He's got to go. He's, I'm sorry. He, oh, he has the confidence of the, the owner. Yeah, sure. How, how's that going to work out? If it's not going to work out pretty. Derek Carr was crying at the end of this. Yeah. Like I said, if Carr's crying at the at the press conference, like this is not a good sign for the Raiders. This team should be playing at so much of a higher level than they are. Mm-hmm. And it starts with the head coach. It starts with Carr. And it's trickling down. And uh-huh. this team is just not producing. I don't know where you go from here. But I think McDaniel's needs to go. Oh, he's gonna be he's gone. He's gotta be gone. Carr's gone. Yeah. Go all in on Lamar Jackson. Dave Davis is gonna fire him and buy him a first class ticket back to fucking New England. Yeah. Like I would get him the hell out of there. 
as yeah. quick as I could. Yeah. The season's a wash. You're two and seven. Yeah, you're you're two and seven. It's, you it, are in last place in the AFC West when all but I think Rich, all of us except Rich, had winning the AFC West. Yeah. Uh, and then in the playoffs or the yeah the playoff standings, they're second to last in the AFC ahead of only Houston. Yeah, they're like I said, the season's done, and it's a shame too because Devontae Adams is playing like an MVP when he gets the ball. Yeah. But the fact that you got beat by the Colts. Yep. With Jeff Saturday as your head coach, Mm -hmm. a man who has had zero pro coaching experience other than being Peyton Manning's center. Well, he well there was like some private Christian school he he coached at, but that was like that was like elementary school or middle school. Exactly, like I say, not a pro coach. Yeah, Matt Ryan, thirty-seven years old, coming off the bench. Yeah, and yet you pull this off. Yeah, like that is all you need to say about this. Even when the Colts are trying, allegedly. Uh, you know, if I'm doing the eye test with by making this move for Saturday to just right. lose. Well, I mean, you had Jonathan Taylor go for 147 and one, which uh, to be expected. But leading receiver for Indianapolis, Paris Campbell. Who? Uh huh. Seven for 76 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. Uh, in case you're curious, he was a second round pick out in, in 2019 out of Ohio State. Yeah, that's why I said like for me doing the eye test. That's why I say allegedly like this looks like they're just trying to throw the season away. Yep. And this is almost like the movie Major League. Like, they're going to find a way to win. <laughs> they're going to make a run. Like, I, I will say this right now. Pad, where do the Colts rank in the playoffs? Uh, let me see. For the AFC, they're in 10th place. Okay, so they just got to get to what, 8th? 8th or 7th, yeah. Okay. Something like that. If they get there, Jeff Saturday's coach of the year. I don't uh, care if he's only coached five games and he gets there. So, the, obviously, the tie's going to work against them. Uh, but the only teams they have ahead of them are the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 5-4, and four, and then also the L.A. Chargers, who are 5-4, and four, and the New England Patriots, who are also 5-4. and four. Other than the Patriots, I think they could definitely leapfrog the other two right now. Could be. I really do. The only, the only thing working against them is that tie. Yeah. So, if Saturday gets him in, he's coach of the year. I am dead serious about this. Could and be. and it, like I said, they're going to go major league about this. Because I'm sorry, the whole move about getting Saturday makes no sense. I don't care if you're trying to appease your fan base. This just doesn't work. In my opinion, that's why I say the allegedly we're trying to tank because that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. I, same thing with you, Pat. Oh, yeah. So, like I say, that's the allegedly thing here because if you're seeing it, I'm saying they should not have been in this game. This should have been Raiders all day. Right. And yet here we are. Well, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule the rest of the year. They've got Philly this upcoming Sunday followed by Pittsburgh. Dallas, a bye week in week 14. Then they've got Minnesota, the Chargers, Giants, and Texans to close out the year. Jeez. I mean, what what do you do? Uh, And then for some of the other games we have uh, Sunday, you had the Green Bay Packers beat the Dallas Cowboys 31-28 in overtime. Mike McCarthy trying to get fired on national television. Bad bad loss by Dallas. Uh Bad loss. When you even have the broadcasters on Fox, you know, the game of the week, questioning why Dallas didn't kick the field goal in overtime when it was well within range of the kicker yep. blows my fucking mind. Yeah, like you you want to talk allegedly, I like I'm just saying. Uh, listen, Dak is a good quarterback. To me, he has never been a, a surefire guarantee on fourth down. Yeah. But when you you know when you've got basically a chip shot for your your kicker and, and hey, it's fucking points, it's potentially the win even if even if, you know, the Packers go down the field and and kick a field goal. Hey, you're still in it. Still a chance. Yeah. You know why you you skipped on that? I'll never know. You, yeah, like I say, because you know I was gonna say that's allegedly a boneheaded move. No, that's just no. A, it is no. That is that is that makes no sense. None. So I don't know where the play calling came from, but whoever did should not be in that position because that was stupid. 
I'm sorry, my opinion, absolutely atrocious. Mm-hmm. And Green Bay lives to fight another day, four and six. Yeah. Still, I don't think they're going to make any moves, but they definitely – this hurt Dallas tremendously. Oh, yeah. To put it oh, yeah. to put it just mildly. So, oh, yeah. awful loss for Dallas. Yep. Awful. Uh, and then on Monday Night Football, you had the Washington Commanders uh, beat to the Philadelphia Eagles 32-21. to Bum, 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 bum. Mm-hmm. Bad loss for Philly. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I will say just things did not pan out for Philly. I mean, they were still down, yeah. what, 20 to 14? Something at, like in that, the, yeah. In the second half, or yeah. going into halftime. Going into halftime. So they were still there, but. Fans are bowing them off the field. Yeah, well, you know what, rightfully so. Because like, it's Philly. It's Philly. So I understand that. I'm not I'm not even questioning that. Sure. But I just think for this team, this awful loss, I know I know it's but it's division though. So I like I couldn't oh, yeah. be I couldn't be super mad about this, but I'm watching going like I thought a lot of calls went Washington's way, in my opinion. Like sure. it's just a lot of them that really kind of threw things off. Jalen Hurts had a bad game, but one one seventy five and two touchdowns is not exactly the worst. But the thing about the commanders is they hung in there. Mm-hmm. And like I say, Taylor Hankey definitely played the game of his life i think in my opinion like i think that yeah. he really balled out and philly i think just was not ready for him i mean when you start the season off as hot as they did sometimes you start feeling your own hype oh yeah and i think this is one of the situations that they took washington too lightly and I, even if it's division washington never took their eyes off them and granted that last touchdown to end the game i mean that was a garbage touchdown so we don't really oh, need yeah. to say that yeah but philly Definitely was not ready for him. Yeah. And definitely, was, <laughs> this is just such a bad loss. I laughed, though. At, uh, I saw some people were saying about bringing Carson Wentz back. Oh, Jesus Christ. I Immediately no. after this, I, I, no. saw, I saw some of that online. Like, listen, folks. No. 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 Hertz will be fine. Nobody, you weren't going to run the table, I don't think. It's, this, no. is, this is probably a, the, no. the best case scenario for you is you lost now before you yeah, got in the get, playoffs. Get it out of the way. I mean, do I think the they won't lose another game before the playoffs? I think there's a chance. I They're, think the Giants will split with them. Yeah, I can say, honestly, I can, which I I can say it. I I never thought I'd say that at the beginning of the year. I really didn't. Yeah. There's one more game though we got to talk about. I'm not ducking this. Bring it on. Uh, we got to talk about the Buffalo Bills who lost to the uh, Minnesota Vikings, at 33 to 30. Best game of the week. Oh uh, yeah, I will say that. Yeah. But I got a lot to say, so I'll let you get the stats done, and, and I'm going off. Uh, so, it's, like we mentioned, the uh, Minnesota Vikings beat the Buffalo Bills by a final score of 33-30. to 30. Kirk Cousins, 30 of 50 for 357 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Josh Allen, 29-43 of 43 for 330 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Dalvin Cook, your leading rusher for Minnesota, he had 14 for 119, uh, one touchdown. Josh Allen, your leading rusher for Buffalo, 6 for 84, uh, no touchdowns. On the receiving side, Justin Jefferson, have a fucking game, why don't you? 10 for 193, uh, one touchdown. Stefan Diggs, also have a fucking game, why don't you? 12 for 128, no touchdowns. Okay. So this is the easiest way to describe this. Pad, what was the score at halftime? Oh, uh, t- uh, let's see. It was 24 to 10 in favor of Buffalo. You've watched how many Bills games with me? Enough. What is the one thing I always say? Uh, they don't make second-half adjustments. Correct. They didn't. They took the foot off the gas and tried coasting. This is something that they have done in the past. Why we're going back to this is beyond me. Absolutely beyond me. 
I will say Justin Jefferson had a game. Mm-hmm. The one-handed catch he made. Catch of the year. Might have been the greatest catch of all time. Maybe. Like, it was phenomenal. It was a game changer. He yeah. was burning them the entire first series of the game, too. The Bills' defense, I don't know what it is, but when they play great, they play great and they stay in that gear. Mm-hmm. If they don't start strong... They struggle the entire game, and I don't know if it's a mental lapse. I don't know if it's just right. they're buying into their own press hype because let's face it, I'm not saying this as a, as a fan. I'm saying this as an honest person. Sure. How much this offseason were they crowned Super Bowl champs already? Damn near everybody. Everybody did, and rightfully so because the talent was on paper. However, though, Micah Hyde is out. Oh, yeah. Poirier has not been playing. You know, he's coming back from injury. Tredavious White, still not there. You know, like, there's factors that they shouldn't be calling the shot like they have been calling. Mm -hmm. And obviously, when you start out hot, you start out strong, everybody has been like, you know what? We can just turn this on. It doesn't work that way. And this was a game that they needed because they came off that bad Jets loss. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened? Minnesota took the page out of the playbook. Oh, yeah. So Dalvin Cook, yeah, he was running 119 and a touchdown. And he was definitely doing a lot of things that I saw with the Jets. Not so much end arounds, but he was they were making holes for him and running right up the middle. Right. And you had Cousins on the ropes, too. Like, Cousins throwing 357 in this game. Wild. Is atrocious for a defense that is that good as Buffalo's is. And like I said, Micah Hyde is out the year. I get that. But somebody has got to make us play on that secondary. And I'm sorry, that team did not do it. No. And they definitely looked absolutely lost out there. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, the fact that they were there and not shutting this team down, they should have had this locked up. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense why they're doing this. Mm -hmm. Like, they should have just been completely, okay, we're going to lock this up. We're going to have this game set in stone like i'm sorry if you're up 24 to 10 right it should be done you gave up a back-breaking touchdown late to put mm-hmm. this within 10 and then we get to the fourth quarter Oy. which like i say josh allen i had to talk with a couple bills fans today about this too sure one of which you you know yeah um and he actually brought up a point okay John, okay, well, let's let's set up the scenario, too. Bills make this tremendous goal line stance in the fourth quarter. Watch this on my phone. Yeah, they yeah. have, four, like, less than a minute to go. You know, Minnesota's, like, in the 10-yard, within the 5-yard line or something. They make a goal line stand, fourth and whatever. Bills' defense going fucking nuts. You know, the, the stadium up there in uh, Buffalo going fucking nuts. Right. Yeah, I saw it, and I'm like, all right, good to go. And I flip the channel. Right. And then my buddy of mine starts texting me going, Buffalo's dead to me. I went, wait, what the fuck happened? Yeah, because Josh fumbles. And I know it was a bad snap, but still, at that point, you still got to catch that ball. You, yeah. you got to do something with yeah. it. Yeah. Josh Allen has been competing with Josh Allen the past couple weeks. And what I mean by this, is, and like I say, uh, we had a listener talk to me about this, and he just said, basically, do you know that since the coaching staff was kind of talking about how much he was running, mm-hmm. he's trying to stay in that pocket now. Mm. He's not trying to move. He's not trying to play his game. He's mm. overthinking everything. Mm. You see the passes that he was doing against the Jets and he was doing right. against the Vikings where the interceptions he had, two costly ones. Yeah. One ended everything in overtime, too. Yeah. 
the choices he makes with the ball, he's pressing himself too much because he's he's in his own head. Yeah, I mean the the interceptions are certainly hurting the team. Uh, in the last uh, three games, he's thrown uh, six interceptions. Yeah, two two a week. And and I was talking to a, a Bills fan uh, on Monday, and the thing he he point brought up to me, and I was like, yeah, maybe we'll see what you say. Is he and some other Buffalo Bills fans feel like Josh Allen is going back to 2019 Josh Allen, where he was trying to play superhero and do it all himself? Yes. No, he is, because let's face it, when he came out of that Jets game and he had the arm injury, what was the one thing I was saying? Sit him. Mm -hmm. Why are we risking the franchise with him? And I don't care that he looked good in this game. I don't. But why did you burn him? Because you know what? If If they could have actually won without him, he's going in this week against Cleveland. He could have been, like, in a better place. Mm -hmm. Because now here's the problem you have. They blew that game. Minnesota wins. Congratulations. Minnesota, listen, they're winning ugly. Kudos to you. Kudos. I'm taking nothing away from Minnesota. They were the better team on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But now here's the problem that we got with the Bills. The Bills are going to go into this game against Cleveland, and they're going to – this is now a do-or-die game because now they're in third place. Uh They lost the second seed – Possibly going for the first seed, it went to Miami. Mm-hmm. The Jets are in second now because of head-to-head. Yeah. The Bills are in third, yep. and if they take the L here, yeah. they're going to keep sliding. Because as we currently record, the entire AFC East is in the playoffs. Yes. Which is fucking wild. It's insane. Nobody's talking about it, but it's an actual fact. Like, like, and like we mentioned earlier, with if the Washington Commanders make it into the playoffs and so did the other three teams in the the NFC East, the entire East Coast of the NFL is going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, which is an insane stat. Which is bonkers. This is facts. If you don't believe us, go look at the fucking standings. Right. But for the Bills, if I have to go to Kansas City or I have to go to Miami in the playoffs, that is not where I want to go. Yeah. Now, Kansas City, you might have to go there. Sure. That that's something might have okay. Like I've accepted that. Sure. But if you have to go to Miami, hey. look what happened the last time you went down there, and you guys were not conditioned and ready to go. The crowd's gonna be loud. No, because the crowd will be half. They'll leave if the Bills are up uh, twenty-seven to ten. And <laughs> like, let's face it, if it's by that at halftime, half that stadium will be empty. Yeah. Yes, Miami. I'm calling you fans out. I'm sorry. It's, there's only a few Dolphins fans I know that will stay there to the end. One we might be talking with later on a different podcast, but that'll be a different story for another time. But I'm saying for the Bills, now you're in a situation that this is this is must win. Josh has yeah. to play smart. Josh has to tune out the media because now everybody is saying, well, he's not a real MVP candidate anymore. Listen, you guys anointed him, and now you're taking him down because they had two bad games. Yeah, This is where he has to get with the offensive coordinator he has to he has to get with Dorsey he has to get with his wide receiver core and be like okay we need to fix this what are we doing wrong yeah and really look at that tape and really say what we're gonna do because the Cleveland will scrap with them and I'm saying right now if they had problems with Dalvin Cook what do you think Nick Chubb's gonna do well in that game on Sunday is gonna be real fucking interesting because it's at one o'clock uh in up in Orchard Park New York Current weather, according to AccuWeather, is calling for snow and 42 degrees the forecasted snowfall total for going into the game on Sunday two feet Oh, then Bills would be fine. They'll be there. That's all. That's old school Buffalo weather. But they're calling for fucking two feet of snow up in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean that's gonna be the that's gonna be the real test right there. Boy, howdy. Yeah. So it'll be a challenge for him for Cleveland. But I mean for the Bills though, Josh has to just be smart. He has to trust his instincts. He has to stop forcing passes. 
And I understand he's they're trying to talk him into stop running. Listen, I am the first one to tell him to stop running as much. I just don't want to see him run shoulder first into people or hurtling where somebody's going to take him out. I want to see him play smarter. And he's got to do that if they're going to win. But if his arm is not 100%, honestly, if it's two feet of snow, I'd place Keenum in there. And I'd sit him for a week and just let him get right. Sure. Because after that, he's got Detroit at Detroit for Thanksgiving. And then we get into a very, very ugly stretch. Right. So for the Bills, now you're in a corner you have to fight out of. Sunday is a must win. You can't lose. If you go down 6-4, and four, I'm not saying you're not going to get into the playoffs, but you're going to have such a tough road. And I think mentally, that's going to wear on you. The fact that Miami has leapfrogged you, they're playing at a high level. Granted, I have December 18th circled on that calendar, and I hope for two feet of snow in Orchard Park. <laughs> I'm ready for that. Oh, trust me. I might be a little obnoxious on Twitter that day. I'm just going to put everybody out there with that. But they still have to play the Jets again. They in New England is still, still looking got, to, Still got two against New England. Yeah, so this is now not the time to have a collapse. You have to play better. This was a game that you could have won, you should have won, and you didn't. And that defense, I swear to you, I know we have people that listen to us up in Buffalo. Make second-half adjustments. Don't take the foot off the gas. Do what you're doing and apply pressure. Because guess what? You let Kirk Cousins dice and slice like he was Tom Brady in his prime. Nuff said. Fix it. Or don't. Meanwhile, the Patriots had the greatest game in NFL history on Sunday. They didn't play. Yeah, exactly. Pat so was... I, I say they had to, they had perfect rushing, perfect passing, perfect defense, perfect kicking. Pad was a happy camper. Can't go. Can't can't have a negative. He didn't play. I was not. But I also I also blame it on one person because he decided to jinx everything. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Somebody well, comes. They're a mutual friend of ours. Uh, <laughs> after Buffalo made that that uh, goal line stand on fourth down, goes running. Buffalo won. Ken looks at him. How much time is left? 44 seconds. Yep, and then, of course, I see Josh Allen fumble the ball. Yep. That was my Sunday, folks. Yep. We can talk about that another time because we have to get to more topics of the sports show, so definitely we are asking you to hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. Tell us your thoughts about this past week of the NFL. What was your team doing? Did they win? Did they lose? Are we talking playoffs or are we talking draft picks? Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey all, I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And man, oh man, oh man. I love it when the UFC has a fight card that delivers. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes when you spend that money and you're kind of going, all right, what did I really invest in? Yeah. And I know we started doing the $80 trick when we saw this fight on paper. Was this worth the $80? Yeah. I would say this. Yeah. yeah. UFC 281 lived up to the hype. Mm-hmm. I know we had everybody from... Six or seven podcasts down here. The dog came through. Yeah, I did. You and Liz Bailey came through. Rich from 3FN was here. And we got our money's worth because a memorable night of fights happened. So let us recap the main card 
And Pad leads the way. Yeah, so this took place uh, this past Saturday from the Madison Square Garden Arena in New York City, uh, New York, with an attend- announced attendance of 20 million, eight, or 20 million, Christ, 20,845, <laughs> and then a total gate of $11.5 million. Jeez. God damn. Uh, in the opening contest on the main card in the lightweight division, you had Dan Hooker uh, defeat Claudio Puelles uh, via TKO a body kick at four minutes and six seconds of the third or second round. Excuse me. Solid fight yeah. uh you know dan hooker is one of those fighters that you never know what you're going to get out of him yeah at, this at this is stage. True. like he he's somebody that's on i always hate saying the back end like i re, i legitimately do i don't get any enjoyment about kind of ripping about it but let's face it i think his days of making a run for the title are gone and i think though this was a solid win for him against plays i think that now you kind of have to say well who's next for him mm-hmm. i don't know and for plays i think this is uh, this will be a tough loss for him, but I know he'll bounce back. Just where you go with both guys from here is, is up in the air. Uh, let's see if the rankings have updated yet. Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, so Dan Hooker is now the 11th ranked fighter uh, in the lightweight division. Uh, Puelas was not even ranked. Or if he was, he's dropped out of the top 15. Yeah, so nothing really too earth-shaken there. I mean, solid fight for Dan, yeah. so definitely have to see where he goes from here. Uh, next up was in the bantamweight division oh. where you had Chris Gutierrez defeat Frankie Edgar via a knee knockout at two minutes and one second of the first round. Man, this is tough. Uh-huh. This was tough. Frankie, the legend of the sports. Hey, Frankie, baby. Yeah. As soon as I heard the biggie go on, I was like, oh, man, let's do it one last time. But you got to give it to Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I will agree with, I believe it was Ariel Hawani was saying, uh, it, there should have been a fighter that was closer in age, yeah, to Frankie because Frankie yeah. was on the other side of forty, yeah. And but that you know, but at the same time, Frankie would not have accepted that. No, I think he no. would. I think he would just been like, "Listen, I'll fight whoever you throw at me. I'm not going to care. I'm just going to go in there and definitely try making some noise." And that's what he did. And he was, I mean, he was looking solid until he took that knee. But you got to give it to Gutierrez. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Gutierrez did what he had to do. Frankie's chin is not the same thing as it was, but for being the former lightweight champion and yeah. just a guy that, you know, is one of the few people that's like, I'll fight anybody, I'll take him on, I don't yeah. care. And he he always left it in the cage. Like, there was never a time that you felt like Frankie never left it in the cage. Yeah. Solid send-off to him on his yeah. last UFC fight. And for Gutierrez, I'm, I know I'm hearing a lot of talk that, you know, obviously that's a solid win for him in the bantamweight division. I just don't know. Like, say, I heard rumors about Pedro, Pedro Munoz. I don't know if that's going to be the fight they make. That'd be but, a, a jump because uh, looking at the bantamweight division rankings uh, on UFC.com/rankings, uh, he is in the cracked the top fifteen. He is in the thirteenth position. Uh, ahead of him are uh, dude with the last name you might rec- recognize, Umar Nurmagomedov. Oh, there's a fucking another one of these guys. <laughs> God damn, they're like friggin' flowers. They pop up everywhere. Uh, and then you got Ricky Simon in the 11th position, and then you've got the aforementioned Pedro Munoz in the number 10 division, or number 10 spot. See, that would make sense, because this is... The one thing about beating Frankie is it's a profile fight. Oh, it's a f- absolute... Despite the fact that Frankie's, like you said, on the other f- side of 40, it's a feather in your cap. Yeah, so like I say, I've heard a couple of places uh, talk about that. I know they were talking about that in ESPN, too, a little bit uh, in, in one of the columns. Mm-hmm. Munoz makes sense. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't dispute that too much, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, and Munoz is kind of, he's on that outside tier. Yeah. And especially Gutierrez. I mean, this is high profile. It's a big win. Make it happen and let's go from there. The only thing I hope with this fight is, and I don't know if he got it, was I know they showed the stat on the broadcast before the fight, but Frankie Edgar was like a sneeze away from eight hours. 
yeah ring time or octagon time in the octagon which is fucking wild the fact that like because you think it's like f- f- three five minute rounds five five minute rounds so it's not like you rack it's it's not like royal rumble time in wwe where you're racking up like an hour easy mm-hmm. you know in in one match fucking wild that a guy's reached a whole i, I think he might have i don't know if he did officially but like the fact that he was ready to crack eight hours in the octagon is wild well you got to remember this with frankie if you've never seen him fight he is somebody that he doesn't get like quick knockouts sure and he will drag opponents into deep waters and the one thing you have to remember too is when he got the belt he had just this insane trilogy with gray maynard mm-hmm. that took time and then every other fight he went, he always scrapped in there. He'd lose the first round, always. Like, you'd almost bang on it. And he'd somehow scrap and find a way to win. And, mm-hmm. and you look at the the opponents he's faced throughout the years. It was always the same setup. Like, he yeah. never really had, like, a, a crazy knockout, crazy finish. But he was just somebody that would grind opponents. And, he, like you say, there's no shame in that to take him to deep water. It's just a matter of, are you going to be an entertaining fighter? And Frankie always was. So, right. I mean, that's the one thing you got to take away with that. And I also say Brett Akamoto was the one who was saying about Munez in the fight. His okay. article about that, okay. I, I have to agree with. It. Like I say, I'm not disputing that one. I that was not on my radar, but I'm like the more I'm reading about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I could see that. And I saw a couple other places were kind of mentioned something about him there too. But then we get into the the fight of the night. The fight of the night. Like, how else do you describe this? Well, the, both fighters for this fight did receive fifty thousand dollars bonuses because this did earn fight of the night honors. Give them a hundred k each. Yeah, easily. Uh, this was in the lightweight division where you had Dustin Poirier defeat Michael Chandler via rear naked choke submission at two minutes of the third round. Fight forever. Yeah. This was everything I was hoping for. It was violence. It was insanity. It was the greatest first round I've seen since Diego Sanchez, Clay Guida. Yeah. By far and away. Yeah. This was just literally those two guys went in there and said, we're going to leave this in the cage. Literal rock'em, sock'em robots in the first round. Yeah. Chandler even said coming out of the second cage, he's like, I'm willing to die right now for this. It's like. Yeah. And that's how Chandler fights. I like, listen, he's a, he's insane. He's a wild man, but I applaud what he did. And this fight literally was going to be Chandler's, except when he went for a slam in the third, mm-hmm. Poirier slipped yeah. out and just yeah. got him on his back. And then it's like a minute from there, he's like, Poirier, everybody forgets because he likes to stand and bang a lot. Yeah. His jiu-jitsu is insane, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the judges' scorecards on UFC.com, and I realize the judges had it scored, you know, one round apiece heading into the third round, but I'm sorry. Poirier was getting his ass handed to him. Oh, he was for, getting killed. He was getting murdered those first two rounds. And for Dustin to pull a submission out of his ass, you know, and hey, I realize he's he's good at submissions, whatever else, but still, he pulled this shit out of his ass and and got Chandler w- with the win. I mind blown. Oh yeah, I mean, but that's just how good he is. Like Poirier, I, he's now in a high profile position because of the fights with Connor, right? But if you've watched him over the years, man, he's just solid. Like everything he does is just solid. And now he's now on the later half of his career. Because I mean, I'm sorry, he's got a lot of tread on the tires. Mm-hmm. He's now finally getting that due. So now the question becomes: Okay, he just beat Chandler. He had a title shot, if memory serves me right. Because I know it's been a while since we've seen him. But if you call up his record pad for Chandler, yeah, I'll or, look it up or no, no, for uh, oh, Poirier. Poirier, yeah, I'll look it up. Because now the question becomes: Where does Poirier go from here? Because I mean, he faced a Beeb. 
Well, I mean, I, I took a sneak peek at the uh, rankings already because this was in the lightweight division. Uh, in the lightweight division rankings, uh, n- neither fighter moved. Uh, Poirier is still the number two ranked fighter. Chandler is still the number five ranked fighter. Uh, in terms of, fuck, what done that? There we go. Uh, his last title fight was against Charles Oliveira uh, back in December of last year. That was for the UFC lightweight championship. And he's fought Habib too, correct? Uh, but, but yes, he did. That was also for the lightweight championship, where he of course lost. But that was in September of 2019. Yeah, I often forget about the the Oliveira fight. But this is situation. So now looking at his fights, who do you book him against now? I mean, this is a legit question. Because I wouldn't have a problem if you gave him the winner of Machev and Volkanovski. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know it's going to sound weird, but like, has he earned that spot? Yeah. I mean, because he's already had two title shots. Right. So now, like, where do you go from here? I mean, you could do that. I mean, you could also give him Gaethje. I mean, he's only fought Gaethje once before. He knocked him out in the fourth round, uh, you know. Of the fight that was back in April of 2018, though. I mean, so you could do that because Gaethje is currently the number three ranked fighter. So, I mean, if you did want to go the route of you know Machekov and then uh, Volkanovski, you know, you could go that route. I mean, you almost kind of have to think he's going to have to, but it's like, we, you know, like this is just such a weird position for him because he's a he's another fighter that he, if you put him in that title shot, yeah, it could make sense. But then if he loses. Like, where do you go from here? Mm-hmm. And I think at this stage, it's, he's almost like approaching that Masvidal level. Yeah. Where he doesn't need a title fight to be in a marquee fight. Like, you know what I'm saying with that? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're right. Uh, I don't think he does. No, I mean, that's one situation, like, I think that he could call his shot and see where he wants to go. Sure. And I know, like, if he could decide to go up to 170, I mean, there are some fights to be had there. I just don't know, like, how he's going to fare against Machev. Like, because I, 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 I kind of judge it like when you faced Habib, it was pretty one-sided. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't I didn't think Poirier was that great against him. No. So if you fight against Machev, are you going to be able to handle that kind of wrestling style? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I Like, I think at this stage, I haven't seen it. Because, I mean, you got subbed by Habib. You got subbed by Oliveira. Yeah. It's it's that's a tough call to do, man. Like that is so. Yeah. Gaethje would make sense to me. I'd love to see that again. Yeah, but, like uh, I said, it's been a while since they fought. So yeah, like I say, that could definitely be something wild there. So if I could see that again, I'm down for it. If not, you got to think maybe 170 for him, and then kind of see what's there. And then on the flip side, this fight doesn't hurt Chandler one bit. I don't uh, care. No, no, this is not a bad loss. No, this is not a bad loss at all. But now. I think there's only one fight you make with him, and I and I think this would be box office. I think this would be so, 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 so box office. You give him Connor. Ooh. You give him Connor, and he wants to fight him at 170. Ooh. That's – Okay. This makes so much sense, it's not even funny. Because Chandler I, – I know he's the fifth-ranked fighter in the lightweight division, but I just don't know if he's going to get a shot. Rank, I, I, rankings I, matter. Well, it, you know, it's like he just needs to get, he just needs to put something together. But yeah, like I get it. But if you put him against Connor, Connor is not going to go near a title. Oh hell no, no. And, and the thing is, he's too far removed. He's so far out of there. It's not even funny. Well, for, and first it'd be so far in the future because he's currently, as we record, still not in USADA testing. Right. And I, that's for a deliberate reason. If you see the photos. Hmm. 
But now the question becomes, if you put him there, Chandler can go at 170. He doesn't have to fight for a belt. Connor is not going to be anywhere close because the only fight you can make against him against Dustin Poirier and Poirier would rip him apart again. You can stand and, and trust me, Chandler will bang with him. Chandler will stand there in the pocket with him and swing all day. And that will be box office because Chandler will cut a promo on him too. Mm-hmm. The, and like I say those interview segments will be the thing of, of memory for Connor, like why everybody still cared about him. I think you need to make this fight. I think anything else, unless you gave, unless like Chandler was like, I'll go up to 170 and fight Masvidal or do something. Well, I mean, granted, Masvidal's got a little situation going on too. Yeah. So he would be out of the equation. But how about him against Chemayev if they can't make the fight with him and Colby happen? I'm just throwing some ideas out there. Like, I forget, Masvidal's got a little situation, to, if memory serves me right, mm-hmm. before he can uh, start fighting again. So, yeah. let's kind of wait and see about that. Uh, Next up. Was the co-main event of the evening in the women's strawweight division where you had Zhang Weili uh, defeat Col- uh, Carla Esparza to become your and new women's strawweight champion uh, with a rear naked choke submission at one minute and five seconds into the second round? Uh, to quote Nate Diaz, I'm not surprised. <laughs> nope. I was not surprised at this one. One bit, listen, Carla is a good fighter, but Zhang is on a whole different level. Uh-huh. Whole different level. And this was arguably the most one-sided fight of the night. Yeah, it was. Without question. Um, and Zhang did what I thought she was going to do, and she just smothered Carla and just never gave her a chance. Yeah. And listen, Zhang is a very big straw weight. Carla is... I don't think she cuts that much weight to get to 115. Maybe. So I'm just going to kind of put it out there. But Zhang definitely looked like she wanted the belt back and was hungry for it. And I think Carla was maybe not so ready for it. But like, I it, think... would, it would appear not. I mean, one minute, five seconds into the second round of a five-round fight. Yeah, it was It was going to be a tough day. Uh, now the question is, who's next for Zhang? And I think you got to do the fight against Rose. Well, I would say looking at the women's strawweight division rankings, uh, Carla Sparza is your number one ranked fighter. Rose Namajunas is your number two ranked fighter. Uh, Amanda Lemos is your number three ranked fighter. Jessica Andrade is four. And then Marina Rodriguez is your number five ranked fighter. Should note also uh, that uh, uh, Zhang Weili and Thug Rose have fought twice. Uh, both fights going to Thug Rose. Uh, the first fight was in April of 2021 uh where rose knocked her out and then the the second one was in november of that same year uh with a split decision split decision going to thug rose yeah so i think that's the only one that makes sense to me yeah i mean unless unless there's some way and to my knowledge i don't think it's ever been thrown out there but would zang go up to fight shevchenko (sighs) i mean maybe I, I don't know her personally, so I can't say one way or the other. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's something you're going to kind of have to wait and see about. Um, but I think that's a, that's the easiest fight to make. Probably. I think that's the easiest fight to make. Uh, so Zhang would definitely be – that would be box office too. I mean, the, the fight against – it depends. If Rose comes out like Thug Rose and not whatever we had against her against Esparza, right. I think it will be a great fight. I think if we have Rose come out and whatever the case was – not so much. I think it's gonna be a long day, to mm-hmm. be honest. But I think that that's a, that's the only fight you can make in my head. Like, and I think you can say otherwise. And then we talk about upsets a lot. Oh boy, man, there's a lot to digest from this one. Uh huh. Pad, break it down. This was the main event of the evening for the middleweight championship, and you had Alex Pereira defeat Israel Adesanya to become your and new uh, middleweight championship champion uh, with a TKO at two minutes and one second in the fifth round. Wow. 
Also should note, uh, looking at the scorecards, the judges had this. Let me just blow this up a little bit because it's a little hard for me to see at the moment. Uh, there we go. Uh, all three judges had the fight 39-37 in favor of Israel Adesanya heading into the fifth round. Israel won the first, third, and fourth rounds according to all three mm-hmm. according to all three judges. Uh, the only round they gave to Alex Pereira was the second round. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I had no argument about the judges' call there, to be honest with you. I thought Asanya, who has had history with Perea, I mean, this has been the fight that has been building since they were kickboxing, and Perea has knocked out Adesanya before. This was clearly Adesanya's fight to win. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Second round was Perea. I'm not going to take it that away from him. But this was also the situation where Adesanya almost knocked him out in a round with, if he only had 10 seconds left. And before time expired, this is going to be game over. Yeah. So we have to keep that in mind. Adesanya definitely was implying more of the MMA style against him. And I think this was giving Perea fits. Yeah. But I will say this. We always kind of scream this. When a fighter knows they're losing, and and his coaches were telling him, too, he's got to empty the tank. This was a time that when he actually listens to the coaches, look what happens. Yeah. Perea had nothing to lose in that fifth round. No, nothing. No, he had he had it all to give. Swing like a wild man and see what you can come up with. And sure enough, he caught Adesanya. Mm-hmm. And Adesanya, I'm sorry, that was a legit stoppage. Yeah. You got rocked. Like five or six times unanswered. Yeah, there was five unanswered. I counted five, but it might have been six, though. Unanswered shots. And when you have your hands down, yeah. the ref is going to protect you. Now, I don't care how much it, it hurts your pride. Mm-hmm. You were done. Yeah, he finished you in the fifth because he just unloaded the tank, and I don't think you were expecting it. I thought you, in my mind, I thought Adesanya was thinking he broke his will. Maybe, and you can't take that. Like, but this is something Adesanya is a very young champion too. Mm-hmm. So this is a situation that he's going to learn from. I think the only way you do this is you do an immediate rematch. I know. Oh yeah. I don't think there's any other way you can do this otherwise. No, I mean because looking at the rankings over at UFC.com for the middleweight division, uh, Israel Adesanya dropped to the number one ranked fighter. Is uh, Robert Whitaker dropped one spot to the number two ranked fighter? Jared Kenyanye dropped one spot to the number three ranked fighter. Marvin Vittori also dropped one spot to number four, and then you've got Derek Brunson uh, not moving and rounding out the top five. Yeah. So in my mind. It's Adesanya all day. Yeah, yeah. I think Adesanya wants that fight, too. So I don't think there's any question about making this happen. And I will say this. For Perea, you better hope it's Adesanya. Because if you have to fight Robert Whitaker or anybody that can wrestle. Oh, you're fucked. You're done. The fact that you made Adesanya look like GSP in his prime. Yeah. That is telling. Concerning. That is very, very telling. You cannot handle somebody with an actual ground game. You will get taken down, and you will not get back up. And if it's Robert Whitaker, oh, my God. Like, listen, I I don't care. Like, the odds will be tremendously against Perea. Mm-hmm. Tremendously. If he comes out as a favorite on that and Whitaker is a, a dog, yeah. oh, my God, we're going to the casino. I'll say, <laughs> I'll say if, if, if Pereira's got to go up against anybody who wrestles, you know, to borrow that, like, TikTok, Instagram reel audio, from a scale of the one, my ten, the 1 to 10, my friend, you're fucked. Yeah. There's no way he will survive on the ground. There's no way he can learn it. No. MMA wrestling Christ, in, no. in that short of a window. There's no. There's not a physical chance. Like, he might survive a round if he's lucky. But 
I'm sorry, you could not handle Adesanya's ground game. What are you going to do against somebody that actually thrives there? Can you imagine if you went up against uh, Habib? Habib would fucking toy with him for three rounds. <laughs> Habib would just fuck with him for three rounds before I th- winning. I think he would just sit, kind of sit there and just be like, where do I... T-? Like, just <laughs> process, like, the matrix. Like, how many ways I can take you down. <laughs> Like you take, I, I'd fucking pay to see it. Like you take a look at that division in that middleweight, where he's going to be, or uh, yeah, he's going to be fighting in, in middleweight. It's it's almost like a who's who who can wrestle. I don't think anybody there can't wrestle. To be honest with you, outside the top five, you've got Paulo Costa. He can uh, wrestle if he wants. Sean Strickland. Yeah. Jack Hermanson, Darren Till, uh, Andre Munez, uh, and then Kelvin Gastelum at number eleven. Uh, Nasrin, uh, Imenov, uh, Driscus, Duplessis, Chris Curtis, and Brad Tavares. Yeah, I think with the exception of Darren Till, I think he's fine. <laughs> I think Darren Till would be the only one that wouldn't wrestle him on the ground, to be honest with you. Probably. But, listen, I applaud him that he's stuck in there and fought. I, I do with Perea. Like, he's not, he, he's not a joke by any means. He has knockout power for days. So if you can weather the storm and get in there and, and survive a shot... You can win this fight. I just think that if he has to face a Robert Whitaker, oh, it's a wrap. Right. It's a wrap. I think, though, if, if he faces Adesanya, Adesanya takes him clearly in the in the third round. Probably. Next time fight. I don't see it going past that. I think Adesanya is going to learn from this and come back stronger. And I think that's big for the UFC, too, because especially this causes some parity in that division, which they desperately needed. Because yep. when you start having those champions that are untouchable, and let's face it, Adesanya was that champion. He was the next generation of Anderson Silva. He just got tagged with something. He'll bounce back. Yeah, oh yeah. I think this do, this causes some bit of headlines for the UFC, which they're happy to make some money off this. Oh, yeah. And they can definitely book this rematch. I mean, the smart play would be to do this as the co-main for uh, Volkanovski Machev. That would make sense. If they can pull that off. But I don't know what they can do, but we're going to have to kind of sit back and, fi- and find out. Final thoughts on the card, Pat? Uh, amazing card from start to finish. Worth, uh, certainly worth the money we spent for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought UFC 281 was probably the best card I've seen in quite some time, top to bottom, from the UFC. A lot of first-round knockouts, if you go back through all the prelims as well, too. So if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out on ESPN Plus or wherever you catch your UFC yeah. fights. Um, you know, internationally, I'm not exactly sure how that shakes up. So yeah, I know. I know after a couple of days or a couple of weeks, it'll the card will be added to ESPN Plus uh, here in the states. Overseas, can't really say. Yeah, no, I'll definitely be excited to watch that again on ESPN Plus. But in the meantime, this up on the hashtag hashtag #OdiePagePod. What was your thoughts about UFC 281? Definitely want to hear what Mike from the Multiverse of Badness has to say about this one. Because I tell you what, there are a lot of headlines coming out of this, especially the fight of the year candidate with Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. You can't tell me otherwise. That's in that conversation. But let's talk about it, and we can definitely go from there. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh, my God, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Oh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know, murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at 
The Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, the first of which is obviously the local minute. Uh, looking at the Binghamton Black Bears and how they fared last week, they had two games, uh, both of them at home, playing the Motor City Rockers. Uh, they won their game on Friday by the final score of 6-3 to three, and then came back and lost a heartbreaker in overtime the following night uh, by the final score of 6-5. to five. Looking ahead to their schedule this upcoming weekend, they split one game away, one game on the road, uh, both of them uh, against the Delaware Thunder. Uh, the game on Friday is at 7th, uh, November 18th, is at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. That is on the road uh, playing the Delaware Thunder. Uh, and then on Saturday, they're back home at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena here in Binghamton. Game time, 7 o'clock. So for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Uh, and then got to talk a little bit of baseball because the hot stove is starting. Uh, we're already getting some deals, and the most important of which, because it was a news story the other day, I believe it was 24 hours ago, that said the Houston Astros were making uh, signing Anthony Rizzo their top priority. Yep. To which I said, fuck you. No. Uh, and the Yankees must have heard my message because according to sources uh, reading from the article on ESPN.com, the Yankees and Anthony Rizzo have agreed to a multi-year deal worth up to $51 million. Uh, the article reads, quote, Anthony Rizzo is re-signing with the New York Yankees on a multi-year deal worth up to $51 million, a source told ESPN on Tuesday. Rizzo will make $34 million over the next two seasons, plus a club option for 2025 that includes a $6 million buyout, a source told ESPN's Jeff Passan, uh, bringing the total up to $40 million guaranteed. His 2025 option is for $17 million. Uh, so I think this is a great signing. You look at his numbers from the last year. Uh, you know, he had 32 home runs, you know, and... He had a phenomenal year, great first baseman, awesome defensively, you know, probably the most sound of, and, and plus, you know, probably the most sound first baseman we've had since maybe Teixeira. And, and Arguably. T- and Teixeira was obviously spotty the first month and a half of the season, not the case for Rizzo. Mm-hmm. You know, so a high priority for them to re-sign, and I think great signing for them. Great signing, not the big one they need to sign, but a great one to do. Yes. The Yankees need a lot of work, but yeah. This, yeah, is, they do. this is something and a step in the right direction. I am just waiting on bated breath to hear about the fate of Aaron Judge. Uh huh. I think that that is going to be the one dominating the off season. Yeah, that's good. That's going to be. There will be some other dominoes falling, but much in like the NFL or the NBA, you know, there's going to be one domino that needs to fall before all the others start falling, and this is the one. Yeah, because they haven't announced anything for the MVPs. No, they have not. They announced the Rookie of the Years yesterday, which I know the one for the American League went to uh, Julio Rodriguez of Seattle. I know tonight as we record, they're supposed to be announcing the manager of the year, which I don't fucking care who it is. It should be Rob Thompson of the Phillies. Yeah. Uh, and then they have, so next would be the Cy Young, and then after that would be the um, uh, MVP. So we probably won't know MVP for a couple more days. Because I want to say that we'll hear something about Judge after that. Probably. I think that he's waiting yeah. until after because yeah. it could go one of two ways. He's going to wait and do a joint sign that, well, the MVP is staying in the Bronx, or he's going to wait. A couple days, sure, and then say he's leaving. Well, and I know it was reported the Yankees made him a qualifying offer, but don't read too much into it. That's just a formality. That's a formality. It's a formality. I mean, they're going to test the room with him, but obviously, with the drama that goes on with him there, I mean, we could talk about this for a minute. Yeah, he did try throwing a number at them before the season started. Sure, and it didn't pan out for whatever for whatever reason. We've never heard. We've never heard. We just know that whatever was thrown at him, 
he didn't like, the organization didn't like, it didn't get done. That's the only thing we know about. Yep. He bet on himself, and he went all in. Yeah, he did. So, and he had a, a phenomenal regular season. Yep. Playoffs, a yeah. little different story. Yeah. Not going to lie about it, not going to sugarcoat it. But it's nothing to take away. Like, it sounded like he wanted to stay. Yeah. And I think that depending on how he, he took this off season. And obviously, them not going to the playoffs. Like, listen, it is what well, it, no, or, no, no, not going to playoffs. I mean, not going to win the World, World Series. Series. Yeah. Sorry, it's, it, for me, it's like if, if you do get the playoffs and you don't win the World Series, it's just not even being there. But that's just me about this. It's a situation now that the Yankees have to sign him for the PR move. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna overpay. And listen, I don't care. Yeah, at this stage, he's I, worth it. He's the face of your franchise. Mm-hmm. If you lose him, you don't have a backup plan. Yeah, you really don't. No, you don't. You I might mean, have you might have some people in the farm system. There, there are there some people? Uh, I know Jason Dominguez. You know the Martian is coming up, but Christ, he's only at Double A right now. He's a ways away, right? You know, and, and they've got some other guys coming up, but none of them in the outfield position. No, none. In, yeah, exactly. So you're not going to replace with value right now with them. You're not. No. So you can try spinning it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm not going to dispute that, but you're you're going to try doing it, but it's not going to work. And and you can make some sacrifices and letting some guys go. I mean, I know shortstop is one of the areas they're they're thinking about, but also you got to remember they've got Anthony Volpe coming up in the farm system, who all signs are pointing to he's going to be up in the up in the majors by at least the All Star break. Yeah, so, you know, and he's one of if not their top uh, rated prospect. Yeah, so th- they have some pieces they can move around, but Judge is the one that everybody's waiting to see. Yep, everybody's waiting to see, and I, and if you're saying you're not. You're either not a Yankee fan or you're lying. Mm-hmm. One of the two. Also, hey, shout out to Jose Trevino. Won the Platinum Glove Award yeah. uh, for being one of the def- best defensive players in the American League. Huge move. Huge move. Huge. Which, who would have thought when they when they got a hold of him in the offseason? Crazy. No, but sometimes it pans out. So yeah. fingers crossed for that. Mm-hmm. And then I guess for my base, um, <laughs> I can only get into a couple details of right now. Mm-hmm. I will... Say we're going to talk a little wrestling. Yep. Um, and I'm going to word it like this. There is a show going on this weekend uh-huh. that if you're interested in watching on streaming, it should be a solid card. Uh, might be a little long. It might be a little long. We discussed It's a three-letter three company. It's a three-letter company. We discussed on 607TWS that is going to be running it, and we'll be watching here at the basement on well, Saturday night. Well, you will. I will with Rich, and I'm sure which, Dog which and if you're if you're really not picking up what we're talking about, that should give you even more clue as to what we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, there's kind of a reason we're not mentioning it. Yeah. And we're just going to leave it like this until further notice involving that company mm-hmm. on here. Um, because we have to get some clarification about something. Yeah, we do. So until that happens, we're just going to say, if you're looking for some pro wrestling this weekend, make sure to sign up for Fight.TV Plus yes. and check out GCW for $4.99 yes. and a lot of great pro wrestling going on this weekend. You definitely want to go check that out. WWE really didn't do a lot this weekend as well. No, no. So you definitely want to support some indie pro wrestling as it's, as it's happening. And then if you want to check out that show, listen, I'm going to tell you to check out the show if you're interested in it. And you're not you, sure what site they're on. They're on a site whose streaming rivals that of ESPN+. Plus. Yes, but uh, this week we're not mentioning them. Nope. They're and, persona non grata. Yeah, until uh, some clarification. And we're just going to leave it at that. So hopefully uh, things get worked out. If it doesn't, well... Uh, you'll be hearing about that on 607TWS. I'm salivating for that moment. Yeah, so uh, wait and stay tuned. So if you're not following 607TWS on your favorite podcast platform, 
Simply go to the ODPH link tree or go to the directory. We have the link for 607TWS right then and there. You can sign up and follow because trust us, that's where we're going to be uh, discussing that moving forward if uh, if it needs to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Until then, like I said, go support some pro wrestling. If you've got some great local action wherever you live, go support that. Go, go get Fight Plus. Like seriously, for the GCW library alone, but there's a lot of great independent pro wrestling cards that were going on. You can definitely watch there. We're, I'm going to give them a shameless plug. For $4.99 a month, you can't beat the deal. It is like literally... Old school WWE network there. Like mm-hmm. I, like I say, for the deal and for the value of the cards you get, it's well worth it. And you get a lot of independent pro wrestling. So definitely go check that out. And if you want to go check out the show going on this weekend too, by all means, um, I gave my my voice about that on 607TWS this week. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to be very, very cryptic about it until I get some clarification. And we're just going to treat it like that and end it as we can only do. For anything and everything that is the ODPH podcast, you just simply swing on over to odphpodcast.com. That's it for sports this week. For the one only Pat one j Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. I love everybody. Thank you for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. I can't.